Y'all, uh, my wife pretty well preached my sermon for me, so if y'all want to beat the lunch crowd and head on out, feel, feel free. My feelings won't be hurt. But if you would like to stay, turn over to uh, the book of Acts, and it will be the same scriptures that, that Sandy, or several scriptures, one of which is the one that Sandy pointed out to the kids this morning. It's going to be Acts chapter 4. Once again, we're just going to be looking at four verses, 32 through 35. So starting in verse 32 of chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money uh, from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Before I get into the the meat of my message today, I wanted to point something out that, 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 uh, that I didn't even realize until this morning as I was going over the Scriptures once more. But your Easter message is right there in, uh, in verse 33, once again. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus, to the uh, resurrection of the Lord Jesus. If you guys remembered last week, I talked to you a little bit about the gospel and how to share the gospel with people. And that we have a tendency to complicate what the gospel is. And we want to we throw a lot of Bible verses out there, memorize a lot of Bible verses, and, and paint people a nice little, a nice little path that kind of makes sense. Sharing the gospel with people is just as easy as anything in the world. It's simply the story of Jesus. What does, what does our scripture right there say how the early apostles or the early disciples shared the gospel with people? They testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It's just as simple as that. Peter, last week when we read about Peter, he just told the story of Jesus. He told the story of the life of Jesus Christ and people responded. It really is that simple. A lot of us, have, like myself, have personal stories that we can, that we can share with people that testifies to the reality of Jesus and the, and the reality of the power of God. Sharing the gospel is very, very, very easy. It was just neat that that, that, that portion of that scripture stood out to me this morning that I hadn't, that I hadn't uh, even noticed until then. Anyway, I hope that today's message is kind of going to serve as a source of encouragement for everybody. I hope that uh, this might even possibly serve as a source of, of uh of motivation for you uh, individually and, and also as, as the church, as the local church. If y'all recall, uh, last week at the end of the sermon, I touched, really, we talked about resurrection because it was Easter. But um, at the very, very end of the sermon, I touched on the idea of the resurrection of the church. And in this sense, I am talking about Broxton and, and, and Oak Grove. Um, but I talked about the resurrection, resurrecting the church post-COVID. And uh, what that might look like and trying to encourage you guys to start thinking about that because uh, once more, you know, we have a tendency to get apathetic in this, in this, in this last year. And I'd hate to see that happen to, uh, to any church, to any local church, but especially the ones that, that we're, the one that we're part of. Uh, a lot of times, and if you've attended Broxton for any amount of time, when you guys hear me, I hope anyway, 
um, at this point. When you guys hear me use the phrase, the church, 99, the church, 99% of the time what I'm talking about is not Broxton, it's not Oak Grove, but it's, uh, when I say that phrase, I'm talking about the larger church. I'm talking about the, the uh, global body of Christ. I'm talking about the universal church. In our Apostles' Creed this morning, every time we read the, uh, the Apostles' Creed, we say this phrase, we say that we believe in the one holy apostolic and Catholic church. The first time that we did the Apostles' Creed together as a family, first time my, mom, my, uh, my wife saw that, she said, what, we're going into a Catholic church? No, <laughs> that, little tiny, that little word Catholic with a little tiny C, it's, it's, it's another word for universal. Um, so they are, those are synonymous. So generally when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the universal church, the global body of Christ. Today is a little bit different. When we're talking about the church, I want to talk specifically about Broxton. I want to talk specifically about Broxton this morning. And uh, again, I hope this will be a source of encouragement and a source of motivation uh, for a lot of us. There's a lot that we can glean from these scriptures. These are some pretty awesome scriptures. I love the book of Acts. Um, and these are some, some really, really great testimonies to what the early church looked like. And there's a lot, a lot of ideas, there's a lot of themes that we can glean from these scriptures, a lot of stuff that we could pull, certainly pull out from these few scriptures, these th three or four little, little tiny uh, verses this morning. But the two themes that really stood out to me as I was going over them this week, one of them I know we've talked about before, I don't know, I'm not sure about the other, but the two things, the two words that kept jumping out to me as I was reading over and over uh, these few verses were the, were the themes of community and caring. Community and caring. Now, I know I've talked about, we've talked about community up here. I know I've done at least one sermon on the idea of the church and the idea of community before, but I want to talk about it a little, a little bit more because, again, this really stood out to me this week. These are the marks of the early church, among other things, certainly. But when we read these few little tiny scriptures, these, these ideas just kind of really jump out to us. This was a real, viable community of believers. And this was also a caring community. Think about the words that we, that we read a little bit earlier. We're going to go back over them in, in a couple minutes. Some of these scriptures today may sound vaguely familiar to you. You may think that I've preached on these before, or you've heard me preached on before. Uh, if so... You thought that I preached on them before. Uh, these verses are very, very similar to another portion of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But they're, again, they're very similar. And they paint a really vivid picture of what the early church and what this early community looks like. And I actually, I think, if I recall correctly, I think that, uh, I think that we went over the Acts 2 verses as we, when we were meeting outside back in September. But just as I said back then... And just as I say now, I do believe that God is calling us, not just as Broxton, but as the universal church in this time to really discover what the church is, to discover what the church was intended to be, discover what the church was about in those early days, and, and, and as such, what the church can and really should be about today. Um, I think a great mistake that we've made, particularly in America when it comes to Christianity, is we made Christianity a lot about me. We've made Christianity a lot about the individual. And that's a very great, that's a very American idea. Uh, my personal freedom, my personal ideas, my personal ability to do this and do that. And as such, I think that's kind of crept into the church in America a lot, is individualism. 
Think about some of the phrases that we use. My personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not that that's not viable, not that that's not real, but how often do we hear sentences such as that? Listen to some, I'll talk to another pastor this week, listen to some of the more modern Christian music that we, that we have today. Listen to how many times they say the words I, me, myself, those types of things. This does not denote community. This does not denote community. Certainly we all have our personal relationships with God, but the church was never meant to be about me. And I think we do that a lot of times. We focus so much on the individual as opposed to the whole. We're called to be the church, yes, on an individual level, but also on a community level. I, get, I gave up, or we should all give up, actually, our individuality to some degree when we become a member of God's church. It ceases to be about me, and it becomes about Christ, and it becomes about His people. I give up, hopefully, a great deal, if I'm able to, of my selfishness, my, my self-seeking, my own personal desires, and I yield to the desires of Jesus, and I yield to the needs of you guys, of each other. That's where the church is, and that's where the church is, is really called to look like and called to be. Again, viable community in every, every sense of the word. You're going to find that word church, and here's a, little, here's a little Greek lesson for you, but you're going to find that word church uh, about 23 times in the, uh, in the book of Acts. I think it's over like 100 times in the New Testament itself. And the, word, in, in the, word, the Greek word that they use for church in the New Testament is a word called ecclesia. Ecclesia. What does that mean, Jerry? Well, it, Ecclesia is basically an assembly. That's all it is. Ecclesia is another word for an assembly. So when they're using that word church, they're referring to it as an assembly, a gathering together of people. More specifically, it would have been a gathering of people who were called out of their homes for a specific purpose to gather together. That's our purpose as a church. We are called out. The church of Jesus Christ is called out of their home. Who are we called out by? We're called out by God. We're called out of our homes within a Christian context to be the assembly of Christians who are gathered to worship, gathered to serve. Called out by God to serve one another, to serve the world around us. Called out to be salt and light to the world. Remember we talked about salt and light several weeks ago in Jesus' words, you know, you're salt of the earth, light of the world, those types of ideas. We're called out to be separated from worldly pursuits. Now here's another one that I think we suffer greatly from, particularly in our context. We're called to separate ourselves from worldly pursuits. We talked about Romans 12 last year um, a great deal. And that's one of the primary verses in Romans 12 where Paul writes, Don't conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. That's what Paul's talking about. We should stand out. We should really stand out in a number of ways. And I'm not even talking about some of the most obvious ways that we tend to think about from time to time. We should really stand out in a society such as ours, not being conformed to the patterns of the world. So I want to reread that scripture real quick from Acts 2 that I talked about um, back in September. Y'all don't have to follow along with it if you don't want to, um, for the, in the interest of time. But if you do want to check it out later, it's Acts 2, verses 42 through 47.
And again, these verses, just as our verses from chapter 4 today, just paint, just paint a beautiful picture. They just paint a beautiful, gorgeous picture of what community looks like, of what church did and could look like. So again, 40, and see if you can spot the similarities, by the way. To, uh, chapter 2, 42, I think, through 47. Yeah. They devoted themselves, they be in the church, early Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property, they sold possessions to give to anybody who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Does that sound vaguely familiar from what we read today? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of similarities there. Look at some of the descriptors, and again, you don't necessarily have to open up um, and read it right now, but I would encourage you to go back and take a look at it at some point. Look at some, but listen to some of the descriptors. Listen to some, again, of some of the um, similarities that we see here in uh, chapter 2 and chapter 4. Chapter 2 says that they devoted themselves, pretty much, they devoted themselves to being and making disciples. That's what being a part of this church was, to being and making disciples. One of our, one of our, one of our uh, primary statements of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. That's what they were devoted to. They broke bread together. Of course, we celebrate communion very frequently together, at least once a month. But they broke bread together. They fellowshiped together frequently. They prayed together as a community, not just once a week. Not just once a week. And that's coming too. They practiced this radical generosity. Listen to some. They, they sold their property, for goodness sakes. They literally sold their property and gave it to people who had need. That's what both of these portions of Scripture. Now, that's a caring community to me. I ain't saying y'all got to go out and sell your property, but realize the, 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 the hugeness of this, the hugeness of, the, of this radical generosity that they practice with one, with one another. Here's one of the craziest things that we read about the, the uh, early church. They did it every day. They did it every day. That's what kind of community they were. It wasn't a gathering on Sunday, though I'm sure they did gather on Sundays. It wasn't simply a gathering on Sunday morning. It wasn't simply a once a week thing. It was, certainly was not a social club. It encompassed and it was everything that they were. Every, 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 everything that they were, every purpose that they had in life revolved around their church and their devotion to Christ and their devotion to one another. That's what the early church looked like. That's what the ecclesia looked like in the New Testament. Now, I'm not suggesting that we, again, that we get together every day, although I certainly think that would be awesome. What I do want for us to do, though, is to realize, to acknowledge as best as we can, to and to fully live, to fully live into understanding of the church, of our local church, not as just somewhere to go, not just a service that we attend from time to time, but it's something, again, that we are in every aspect of our lives. Yes, individually, but also communally. It's everything that we are. 
everything that we do. We're a close-knit group of people. We're a close-knit group of people. I've talked about this before from, from all different walks of life. I've said this time and time again. One of the things that makes me so, so, so very proud to be a part of Broxton United Methodist is our, is our diversity, is our economic diversity, our social diversity, our racial diversity, diversity, our ethnic diversity. I'm very proud of that because I think that's what the church looks like. That is what the church looks like. So that's kind of what community in Acts 2 looks like. Very close-knit, very caring, very community and other-oriented, others-focused. But our scriptures in Acts 4 also show us a community that really exudes the virtues of compassion and the virtues of caring. Here's where we're going to get back to those folks who were selling their property and, and giving things away left and right. I'm going to reread it one more time, 4, 32 through 35. All the believers were of one heart and one mind. That's what Sandy talked about today. She did an awesome job with that, by the way. She actually did not confer with me. Uh, no one claimed that they had, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but that they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone at need. Y'all go back and read that, reread that multiple times. Reread that multiple times and, try to, and try, try to put that into your mind, what these folks did and how they took care of each other, the lengths that they were going to, to care and love one another. Absolutely, absolutely insane. But certainly you can see the similarities in the two descriptions, once more, from Acts 2 and Acts 4, they reveal to us an assembly. Once again, there's that word, the ecclesia. They reveal to us a, a, an assembly, a church, an assembly of Christ followers who absolutely bled love, who bled concern, who bled caring for one another. Now, here's one where I want to brag on Broxton some more. And this, is again, is where I hope a lot of your encouragement and a lot of your motivation comes from. And I'm going to pick on some people. Because another thing that I'm very proud about Broxton, that makes me proud to be prior to my pastoral role, a member and now as a pastor, is I think we kind of exude this idea too. And I think if you've been here any amount of time, I think you would have to agree with me. We are a caring congregation. We are a caring assembly of people. Crystal, I think about your mom. I think about Carol. Carol's one of our unsung heroes here in the church. I know some things about Carol she probably doesn't know that I know. Number one, I know that she, she is a card sender. If somebody's sick, they're getting a card from Carol Jones. If it's a holiday, they're getting a card from Carol Jones. If somebody, again, is sick, they're probably going to get some food from Carol Jones. Undoubtedly, they're going to be getting a phone call from her. I think about Margaret. And I think about Alec. Those are two of the most obvious examples of love and compassion. And you want to talk about radical giving. Margaret has told me, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, Margaret, but Margaret's told me before 
Something, that, I, mean, I may not have it exactly right, but something very close to the fact that they never turned down anybody who asked them for anything. Monetarily. And I believe that. Now, some of us may think that's crazy. I think that is awesome. And it sets an example for me. And it sets an example for me to take a look at my heart when I'm asked to give something. When somebody comes to me searching for help, am I going to help this person? Margaret Ellie Bullington always pop into my head when that happens. Every time. Never fails. Absolutely never fails. I think about Susan. <coughs> Susan and uh, Ronnie or took a well-deserved vacation this weekend, but I think about Susan. <coughs> Susan leads our choir. She leads our worship service. She plays the piano for us. We all know that. Every year, with the exception of last year, Susan also heads up our annual vacation Bible school. She takes that on herself. Certainly has, she, has, she has folks helping her all the time, but she takes that she, and runs with it every single year. She's constantly looking for ways to encourage us. Now, here's something else she does greatly. She's constantly looking for ways to encourage us, encourage our members to gather together more frequently. Talked about that earlier. We talked about gathering together. Certainly that early church gathered together for more than just worship. It was socialization as well. And Susan tries to do that. It was her idea, by the way, to do our Easter egg hunt, to open up our Easter egg hunt a couple weeks ago, and it turned out to be absolutely marvelous. I think everybody enjoyed it, and I think that everybody would agree there was an awesome presence there. I think about Becky, and I think about Aaron Sherrill. Um, among the many, many, many other things that Aaron does around here, Aaron heads up our uh, Pastor Parish Relations Committee. If y'all don't know what that is, Aaron is basically the go-between between myself and the congregation. And he deals a lot with our district superintendent and some of these folks that are, who are higher up than I am. If there's a problem with me, <laughs> Aaron's the one that I get to hear about it from. So, and he takes that and, and, and uh, he takes on that responsibility and he, and he's, he is the go-between uh, between me and the church for the most part. I probably call Aaron more often than I call anybody else in the church. I probably lean on him for more responsibilities than anybody else in the church. And I depend on him greatly. Uh, ever since I've been here, ever since I've been here, Aaron and Becky have consistently been taking leading roles in our midweek children's service. Consistently. Of course, the other half of that is Becky. who I told you earlier, is leading up <laughs> to restart our children's service again. She's taking a lead with this. Um, and I've been hoping for that. I've been, I've been hoping that people would step forward and take a lead with certain aspects of our church ministries. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. I'm sure she was led by God to do so, but she's taken the reins with that. She stepped forward and she's thrown out some awesome, some incredible ideas for the future of that ministry. And I hope the church will get behind that with her as they, as they proceed. I joke with her a lot and uh, um, probably pick on her a little bit more than I should. But of course, I think of Becky's mom, Lois Clyde. Along with being one of my personal sounding boards from time to time, uh, Lois, Lois is absolutely indispensable to this church. She's absolutely indispensable to this church. She is always looking for outreach projects. She's always volunteering for outreach projects. She goes out into the community. 
She volunteers with local charities. And yes, when she goes out and volunteers for these local charities, she is representing Broxton United Methodist Church. She's a part of that. She is, she is one of the most compassionate people I've ever known in my life. She's not here today either, but Terry Steptoe. Terry Steptoe is an awesome part of our church. Terry Steptoe is one of the biggest encouragers that I know in our church. She always has a kind word to say to everybody. She always has a good word to say to everybody. I've rarely heard her, if, if ever, put anybody down. But she always, always is trying to encourage people, and she's always trying to lift people up. She's taken on, even, her, even in her sickness, she has taken on a larger role in going out as a lay speaker and preaching in other churches. And yes, when she goes out and preaches uh, at other churches, she is representing Broxton United Methodist. I think about, lastly, the one, last ones I'm going to mention are Will and Tawanda Waters, who have been beyond generous with their time, especially um, over the last year. <laughs> Will has tolerated my phone calls to Tawanda. If y'all don't know, Tawanda serves as, as our church treasurer. Will has tolerated my many, many phone calls. He has tolerated my many, many trips over to his home as they were trying to rest and recuperate. I had an uncanny habit of calling them over the last year just as it was nap time or lunchtime. And they all accepted it. Both of them accepted it with grace and, uh, and, 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 and lovingness and kindness. I could go on and on. Um, Tawanda has been, again, absolutely indispensable. There's no way, not just myself, but there's no way this church could have gotten along as well as it has gotten along over this last year had it not been for her efforts. I could not have done this at all. There's, there's no question in my mind. And she has certainly helped this church beyond any kind of words that I, that I could give out here uh, this morning. So I hope that encourages you. And if you're not a member here, I hope that gives you an idea of the kind of church that I serve and the kind of church that I look at when I look out at you guys in the congregation and when I think about you. So we go back to the topic of resurrection. We go back to the topic of what's Broxton going to look like post-COVID. We have an awesome foundation. We have an awesome foundation to start from. Absolutely incredible. And I don't want to leave anybody out. And, and, and there I could, you know, I could list people and I could go on this thing for, for probably for hours. So don't feel that I'm, that I'm intentionally leaving anybody out or not mentioning anybody. Please don't get your feelings hurt if I didn't mention you. These are just examples. But we should take this foundation and run with it. We shall take, should take this foundation and run with it over, over, over the next several weeks, the next several months, the next several years. I'll say the same thing that I've said at least once every week for the last several weeks. Don't approach our church and our community, our ecclesia, with half-heartedness during this time. And you guys are here this morning, so I'm pretty well preaching to the crowd for the most part. But I'll say it again, it's very easy to get apathetic. Most churches right now, I would go ahead and tell you, one of the reasons that I love the fact that we have so many, and it's not all about numbers, but it is encouraging that we have those numbers um, right now, in this second week of Easter. Most churches are not seeing this right now. Prior to COVID, we were averaging about 50 to 60 on a Sunday morning. Um, obviously, that's been down greatly <laughs> over the last year. Most churches are seeing about a 20 to 30% return at this time. And that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a figure that was given to me fairly recently by, by one of our denominational leaders. So this is encouraging to me. This is encouraging to me. And I know I'm preaching to the crowd when I say don't be apathetic because you're the ones who are here. <laughs> 
Take this stuff and run with it. We have an awesome church. We have a tight-knit community. We have people who love one another. We have a caring community. Take that and run with it over the next several weeks, several months. Once again, be invigorated. Be invigorated. Be looking to the church. Be thinking about how you can use your God-given gifts. And we've all got them, by the way. Some of you may not think that you have them, but we've all got them. All of us have gifts that have been graciously given to us um, by God. How can I use these gifts? How can we use these gifts to, to build? To build on what we already have. To build on what this awesome, beautiful foundation that we already have. So that's my encouragement for you this morning. And uh, I hope you guys, hope you guys can, can will and just take it and run with it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for your Son. We thank you for this second Sunday of Easter. Of course, we recall your resurrection, dear Lord, and that which gives us uh, the ability to be reconciled to God and, and to, uh, to be able to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the ecclesia. We thank you, God, for, for our local church. And we, uh, we thank you so much for the love that we feel so very often in this building. Help us to heed your words. Help us to heed the example of the early church. May we become even more close-knit. May we become an even tighter community. May we care more deeply and love uh, more deeply as well. Be with us as we go through this upcoming week. May we carry your message in every place that we go. In the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.